Chapter Four of Mademoiselle X by Lenoy Falconer. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. The rain, which had been threatening for some days, finally descended upon Sunday, and by pouring steadily from morn till eve, completed the gloomy character of that sacred day as observed under Mrs. Merrington's roof not only according to her system was attendance at two public and two private services rigorously enforced but secular music and literature were rigidly tabooed and conversation on what was called worldly matters generally discouraged the effect of all this was highly depressing on no one more than mrs merrington herself she felt in extremely low spirits as she sat this special sunday about four o'clock alone as she was apt to be on sunday afternoons in the big drawing-room a low church sermon lay upon her lap while the rain lashed the window-pane the moment was favourable for melancholy reflections and her mind reverted to mrs barnes insinuations she began to consider mademoiselle x's demeanour upon sundays in mrs merrington's presence it had been always irreproachable the foreign governess was ready to go to church seven times instead of two if so required she read or at least held respectfully before her the sunday magazines and novels provided for her delectation and played on the piano only pieces of which the titles at least were of a highly devotional order this was all very well but how it now occurred to mrs merrington to wonder how did mademoiselle x comport herself in the comparative seclusion of the schoolroom no rumour of troubles in that quarter of the house had ever reached mrs merrington's ears during the three sundays mademoiselle x had been in charge and the children on sunday evenings had been found placid in temper and at least resigned in spirit mrs merrington with unwonted acuteness began to wonder if this almost unprecedented state of things was compatible with the faithful observance of her sabbath rules she determined to judge for herself and at once she left the drawing-room crossed the hall ascended the staircase passed through the swing door at one end of the railed gallery and found herself in the children's wing the ground floor of this wing was occupied by the servants' offices, the third floor by their bedrooms, the intermediate one was exclusively devoted to Evelyn and the children, their governess and their nurse. Of a long row of doors, the schoolroom door was the last, and it was open. Standing outside it, Mrs. Merrington could see only Evelyn lounging in the deep window-seat, but she could imagine the children grouped upon the hearth-rug, for in that direction Mademoiselle X was telling a story. And when he looked out, he saw thousands of men and women and children chained to the earth with heavy chains, toiling early and late for the cruel tyrants who oppressed them. Why did they go on working for the cruel tyrants, Mademoiselle? they were compelled if they refused to work bloodhounds fell upon them and devoured them were they very tired mademoiselle oh very tired they worked so long they rested so little scarcely had they time to look up at the green trees and the blue sky mademoiselle x's voice a sad one even when she spoke lightly sounded now as woeful as the autumn wind among dripping boughs mrs merrington was impressed against her will and did they never try to break their chains mademoiselle 
sometimes and then their tyrants threw them into horrible dungeons deep down in the darkness and the cold but now listen when he saw all these poor things he was very sad and he asked the messenger who they were and the messenger said these are your fellow-countrymen and then the messenger went away and after that he was never happy any more in his diamond palace for he was always thinking of his poor brothers so one day he took off his golden crown and his purple robe and dressed himself like one of the poor slaves and went out to live amongst them and work amongst them and suffer with them and teach them how to escape from their tyrants ah here is madame the children forgot the story in their surprise and satisfaction at the sight of their mother and a place was instantly made for her in the circle round the fire mrs merrington as she took it observed with an embarrassed cough i thought i had explained to my dear mademoiselle that i do not like the children to read or hear anything but sacred stories on sunday i don't like sacred stories said the little boy who lay full length upon the rug hush freddy said his mother in a horrified voice that is very naughty and very ungrateful added mademoiselle Ix, since i have just been telling you one that wasn't a sacred story cried freddy in a tone of contemptuous incredulity pardon me said his governess it was a sacred allegory indeed said mrs merrington secretly no less astonished than freddy a sacred allegory continued mademoiselle x as you no doubt divined madame of the history of moses oh moses cried freddy in the tone of a person who feels he has been duped i thought it was a fairy tale i don't want to hear about moses this shameless avowal from the lips of her child gave quite another turn to mrs merrington's preoccupation she delivered a severe rebuke and then summoned the children to return with her to the drawing-room any change was delightful and they went cheerfully enough till they encountered in the hall that faithful lover whom neither tempests without nor dullness within could deter from paying his daily visit then finding that he was on his way to the schoolroom they proceeded with their mother protesting and whining and in a very unfavourable frame of mind for the catechism which awaited them perry on the other hand did not altogether deplore an arrangement which might secure him a tete-a-tete with evelyn not only did he find her alone but he was received with the gracious words oh perry i am glad to see you so unwanted a reception deprived him utterly of speech for some minutes and when he had recovered mademoiselle x entered carrying winifred in her arms winifred who had a cold and was in a very unhappy humour brightened up at the sight of perry one of her few favourites she would not leave mademoiselle x but sitting on her lap beside the fire condescended to be solemnly diverted by the opening and shutting of perry's watch evelyn sat beside him face to face with mademoiselle x it was the opportunity she had been hoping for all day and she at once seized it perry have you heard from the count yet what count what count why the russian count of course who is coming with your people to our dance oh yes i know who you mean yes zephine heard this morning this morning are you quite sure yes she read the letter out to us all at breakfast time but do you mean to say that the letter was an answer to the one she wrote here on friday 
yes he accepted the invitation and said he'd be here on monday well it seems to me very strange that she should get an answer to-day to a letter that only started for scotland on friday he isn't in scotland he wrote from london he's at claridge's hotel why that is more extraordinary still for the letter which was addressed to dunmere must have been forwarded to him at london parry still holding one end of his chain while winifred was struggling to open the watch at the other reflected for a little and then said it couldn't have been addressed to dunmere because it is two days post to dunmere and two days from dunmere to london that makes four days and so you see the count couldn't have received why you stupid thing that is just what i have been explaining to you parry was silent discomfited more by evelyn's tone than anything else mademoiselle x with her eyes fixed on the child in her lap seemed lost in thought but winifred had played with parry's watch for more than five minutes its charm was exhausted she pushed it away and began to whimper mademoiselle x rose and left the room soothing her winnie looks very seedy remarked parry yes she has a cold i suppose you've never seen the count parry yes i have once in london what is he like oh he looks an awful beast oh nonsense he does i bet you anything you like if you saw him you would say just the same fancy my using such language about any one i dare say i should admire him very much i am not prejudiced against foreigners like you are i should like to see him well you will on tuesday at the dance before that i mean well so you can he arrives to-morrow by the eleven-twenty at carchester why not drive over in the afternoon and have tea and then you can see him you know i should like to very much with mademoiselle she wants to see the castle well then it's settled you will come well i will try but something always happens to prevent my going to lingford excuse me said mademoiselle x who had entered the room in time to hear this last speech but i think that is a great mistake to be prepared to be defeated even in small things one succeeds by believing in success i make a point of believing that i shall do what i mean to do and i generally do it well mademoiselle intend that we shall go to-morrow said evelyn i do said mademoiselle x and then they were summoned by a servant to afternoon tea in the drawing-room on the following morning evelyn accordingly began mamma do you think that mademoiselle and i could go over to lingford castle this afternoon to lingford to-day i don't think my dear you had better attempt it to-day you cannot have the close carriage it has gone to strides to be mended and it would be imprudent to drive so far in an open carriage to-day but mamma it is a very fine day and so sunny ah yes the sun is warm but the wind is in the east darling mamma no papa said at breakfast it was nearly due west ah well it is as much the same thing it is very catch-cold weather it would be a sad pity if you were laid up on the night of the dance and you would not like to wear a high dress if you were not laid up you see winifred has a bad cold poor darling and yet she has not been out for a week mrs merrington paused dimly and uncomfortably conscious of a flaw in her own argument 
nobody ever excelled less in the difficult task of inventing reasons and various feelings prevented her frankly confessing that she did not like evelyn to be much with mrs fox and her friends i think one can hardly be too careful spring is such a dangerous season concluded mrs merrington don't you agree with me mademoiselle here was an appropriate occasion for mademoiselle Ix to display the determination of which she had boasted whereas she only replied with great deference certainly madame is right evelyn thus frustrated on all sides withdrew in some indignation at lunch that day during a pause in the conversation mademoiselle Ix said to evelyn in a low but perfectly audible voice have you any objection to take your lesson after instead of before afternoon tea to-day certainly not mademoiselle if you prefer it because i propose to walk over to lingford this afternoon and i fear i should not be back before tea-time walk over to lingford have you any idea how far it is about six miles is it not that is nothing i am a very good walker i wish to find at the chemist's a certain embrocation which i am sure would greatly relieve the little winifred where is mademoiselle Ix going to walk to asked mrs merrington and then mademoiselle Ix's intentions were repeated to her walk to lingford and back my dear mademoiselle you would kill yourself and it is such a wretched little place when you get there very likely you will not find what you want let us send someone over to get it alas madame with my wretched memory for english names i cannot remember how it is called then how are you going to get it yourself mademoiselle asked mr merrington oh i shall recognize it the moment i see it monsieur i will make the chemist show me all his imprecations it is astonishing that i cannot recall to myself that name an old-fashioned english remedy which lady carline herself introduced to me upon this everybody present began to mention the name of every embrocation he or she had ever heard of but no one was able to discover the one of which mademoiselle Ix was in search in any case said mrs merrington you must not walk and if you are not afraid of driving on so cold a day you must have the carriage it has not been out to-day no said mr merrington with some feeling but the horses have the chestnuts have been over to carchester and back this morning to fetch something for your ball such was the manner in which mr merrington now alluded to that entertainment upon my word i believe women think horses are machines and made of cast iron too mademoiselle Ix eagerly disclaimed the intention of going to lingford on anything but her own feet nothing was more simple and it would be a charming walk no i don't want you to walk mademoiselle said mr merrington and any other day you should have had the wagonette and pair but the fact is if i have a conscience about anything it is about my horses of course the chestnuts could do twice the distance if necessary but i see no good in working them to the end of their tether but what i was going to say was if you don't mind going in a not very smart two-wheeled cart we have giles could put the bay in and drive you over as soon as you like oh monsieur you are too kind but i cannot think of your having the carriage out for me alone if any one else had occasion to go it would be different but really it is not a carriage at all it is a shabby little cart it only holds two i don't know whether you'd think it tidy enough to drive to lingford in 
oh but a thousand times too good monsieur i am sure well we had better ring said mr merrington and send a message to the stables pray do not trouble monsieur or disturb the servants i have to go to the stables to make inquiries concerning a shawl i left in the carriage on saturday i will tell the coachman if you will allow me very well tell him please that he is to take you over to lingford with the bay in the cart at at any hour that best suits you of course the luncheon party dispersed evelyn withdrew to a favourite nook in the drawing-room bay window which commanded a view of the park road and the gravel sweep before the front door she curled herself up amongst the cushions in a rather discontented mood she felt that mademoiselle Ix, in the matter of the lingford expedition had somewhat basely deserted her the book she had chosen to beguile her was not very engrossing and before long her eyes and thoughts had wandered from it and gazing dreamily out of the window she mused upon the problem what could be mademoiselle Ix's connection with the count while so engaged she was startled by the sound of wheels and to her astonishment beheld the wagonette and pair drive up to the door she hurried out to the hall where mr merrington was already catechizing giles what on earth did you bring these round for cause i was ordered sir miss heeks she gloved the order sir she didn't order the wagonette and pair beg your pardon sir i understood miss heeks to say so at this instant mademoiselle Ix appeared equipped for her drive and in good time to defend herself tiens she exclaimed innocently the big carriage and horses are going then it appears that you ordered them mademoiselle said mr merrington i no indeed never beg your pardon miss but you told me you was to have the wagonette and pair oh no it was a mistake i told you the wagon and the bay the wagon repeated mr merrington wagon cart it is all the same in english is it not well not quite but i see how the mistake arose giles those horses are not fit to go to lingford after going to carchester and back this morning lord bless you yes sir said giles who in the first place had more confidence than mr merrington in the endurance of the beloved chestnuts and in the second was very unwilling to undo his work they was nigh so fresh a-comin as they was a-goin i shouldn't mind so much said mr merrington meditatively if you could put them up somewhere for a little could put em up at the star sir no not on market-day if the ladies wanted to call at the castle now we might put em up easy enough there for an hour sir yes that will do mademoiselle you must call at lingford castle it's only a quarter of a mile out of lingford you know and ask them to let you put up the horses for an hour oh monsieur i could not dare i alone to take this liberty oh well eve can go with you she is doing nothing eve run and get your hat and cloak quick but madame thinks it is too cold for mademoiselle to drive so far in the open carriage monsieur too cold good lord it's not so cold as it was on wednesday last when you drove with her mother to carchester and back what on earth did you mean my dear mrs merrington who had just entered the hall could only offer some incoherent remarks and secretly wonder whether mr merrington would ever recognize the uselessness of asking her to give explanations in public mademoiselle x poured forth the story of the trouble and confusion which had been occasioned by her imperfect knowledge of the english language 
i think you talk english quite wonderfully considering you have never been in england before cried mrs merrington i never remember hearing you make a mistake before in the meantime evelyn was getting ready in hot haste and in a few minutes they were driving along the road to lingford and to lingford castle as they did so it was impossible for evelyn not to remember very distinctly their conversation of the previous afternoon but she had not the courage to make any open allusion to it so completely innocent and unconscious was the expression of the face before her i am afraid she observed as they clattered up the miniature high street of lingford that there is little chance of finding what you want at jones's he is just out always of anything one wants mademoiselle x however almost immediately discovered and recognized the embrocation she required but mademoiselle cried evelyn that was one of the very first names we suggested she did not venture to add that it was a common remedy of which mrs merrington had probably more than one bottle in her medicine chest decidedly i am more than usually stupid to-day said mademoiselle x placidly but the more evelyn reflected on all that had happened the more thoroughly convinced she became that mademoiselle x was anything but stupid there were two entrances from the high road to the wide and richly wooded park which surrounded lingford castle they went in through the lodge gates nearest to lingford and as they drove along the winding road which ascended gradually to the castle the view widened before them till they could see beyond the brown glades and winter-worn lawns of the park wave after wave of distant mead or down or woodland in shades of shell-like lilac and grey and yellow and rose that melted and changed like the hues of an opal as sunlight or shadow swept above them ah what a lovely home said mademoiselle x while her eyes rested meaningly on evelyn the other way the way we shall go out is pretty too said evelyn colouring i like it better in summer it goes through woods all the way to the large gates they found perry lounging near the front door evidently on the lookout here you are after all he cried joyously as he opened the carriage door you may well say after all said evelyn it has not been easy where is the count well, i'm not sure but the most of them are on the tennis ground here indeed they found mrs fox with several of the friends she had mentioned on the previous friday established out of doors as if it were summer and it is summer cried mrs fox looking very rosy and beautiful in her white tennis dress i call it summer when i feel warm out of doors whatever the time of year may be we shall have plenty of sitting over the fire when july and august come will you play evelyn or mademoiselle please parry bring some more seats and a rug as sir george will have it that the ground is damp well evelyn how's the dance getting on you've secured hawkins i hope i'm counting the hours till tuesday night cosmo has taken the count off to see the farm the stupid old thing can't play lawn tennis yes i'm coming mrs cosmo fox went back to finish her game and evelyn and mademoiselle x were left to chat with perry and the other spectators mademoiselle x listened respectfully to a denunciation of lawn tennis as a romping and unfeminine pastime from the dowager beside her while evelyn grumbled at perry in an undertone for having failed to secure for her the sole object of the expedition the count 
afternoon tea was over and still he did not appear i am afraid we must be going said evelyn dejectedly do you think the horses have rested enough suggested mademoiselle x uh, would you like to walk through the woods to the lodge said parry inspired by a wish to defer the parting hour as long as possible and the carriage could come on afterwards and pick you up at the lodge evelyn hesitated i think we had certainly better do as mr lethbridge proposes said mademoiselle x you have not had a walk to-day my dear evelyn so they made their adieu and departed they had not long plunged into the shade of the woods now brightened by beams of ruddy gold that from the western sky poured through the leafless branches when they met mr cosmo fox alone what have you done with the count said parry evelyn wants awfully to see the count happy man said mr fox and your flattering wish is likely to be granted a little further on my dear evelyn i left him to finish his cigar down by the yew-trees and perry is going to introduce him to you i call that almost rashly generous has he explained to you evelyn that the count is a widower and enormously rich he'd need to be rich observed perry as mr fox departed and they moved on to induce any one to marry him i pay no attention to anything you say about him said evelyn you are so prejudiced is it not silly mademoiselle why where is she they looked round and saw her some little way behind them stooping apparently to fasten the lace of her boot by the by parry said evelyn i want to warn you to be careful what you say before mademoiselle x about the count because there he is said parry there he was indeed coming straight towards them the central figure in a long perspective of intertwining boughs and sun-rays he was smoking and he looked thoughtfully downwards as he came so that he did not see them evelyn had just time to catch a glimpse of a very dark and repellent face in which various types were blended a face with long eastern eyes and a protruding animal jaw when as if moved by a sudden impulse the count still evidently unconscious of their presence turned sharply to the left and went down a side alley well really parry cried evelyn angrily that is too provoking why how on earth could i help it protested parry and evelyn turning to reply was struck dumb by the sight of mademoiselle x's face close behind them it was deadly pale with the dull leaden pallor peculiar to such complexions as hers good heavens mademoiselle are you ill cried evelyn nothing only a slight pain here in my heart said mademoiselle faintly with her hands clasped below the voluminous folds of her cloak take my arm said parry mademoiselle x declined and then in deference to the repeated entreaties of both accepted the proffered support as they went slowly on mademoiselle x's quick eager glance down the turning which the count had followed did not escape evelyn's watching eye there can be no doubt about it was the verdict of this experienced little novel reader she is in love with the count End of chapter four